And I just got to thinking again of how, and this is not, not something new, it's not a blinding revelation, but how incredibly important it is that we represent well. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, that we represent Jesus, who we follow. We can't forget that. That we follow him into life. And he's the one that we want to imitate. Actually, if we'll let him, he'll be the one who will actually live his life through us. Hear what I'm saying to you? I mean, we can imitate him. But if we allow him, he will actually live his life through us. He will speak through us. He will act through us. He will be gentle. He will be kind. He will be merciful. He'll make the right call. He'll put his wisdom out. He will bring his power to bear. Can I say this to you, church? He will destroy the works of the devil through you and through me. Not as we scream louder at the devil. But as we represent him well by and through the Holy Spirit. It just got me to thinking about the mandate on the church to touch and to touch people in an appropriate way on Jesus' behalf. He said, you'll go into all the world and you'll preach this message. You'll preach the gospel, which is good news. Take it to every creature without prejudice of any kind. Come preaching it, declaring it, living it. Lay hands. There's a touch. Lay hands on the sick. That's not for a few people gifted to bring healing. It's for everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to challenge you by the close of today's service to make yourself available to bring healing and hope to people this Christmas season especially. This is unlike, for many people, this is a, a, Cindy sort of addressed it briefly, but there are many people who, this is the happiest time of the, the year. There's an awful lot to take note of and rejoice over. But it's very, very painful and a very dark and a very lonely time for people too. You don't need to stop your laughing. You don't need to stop your joy. You don't need to stop bringing light into the darkness. You just need to be aware of where to put it. Come on, help me. There's a mandate on our life to touch people in an appropriate way, representing Jesus to bring help and healing and wholeness uh, to, to their life. There's uh, again here a story. Actually, I saw her face as I prayed the last 24 hours. It was a woman. I don't remember when she came into my office. She actually came into my office. We had a counseling appointment. Uh, with her husband, and they came into my office. I did not know them. They were not a, uh, a part of the church family at the time. They just started coming. And I don't remember when she came, but I can't forget her face. Because it it uh, just was one of those situations where you know there are people in the world who are abused. You know that they're verbally abused, that they're physically abused. I don't know how many of us actually come into contact with them or have an opportunity to actually sit down and have a conversation with them. But when they walked in together, there's the man. His head is up. His chest and shoulders are back. Ends up being quite an arrogant kind of a guy. And here's his wife of so many years. And she can't lift up her head and make eye contact with a pastor. And she did not lift her head up. 
to make eye contact with me. She did not answer a question that I personally asked her. He answered all the questions. Until I just finally asked him, I asked his permission, if he would allow me a few minutes with her alone. We'd keep the door open for obvious reasons, uh, but, but uh, he consented. And I was surprised and thankful that he consented to that. So I continued to question her and finally just asked her point blank if she would look at me. And guys, I'm not, I'm not given to exaggeration and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that it's almost like she didn't know how to look at me. That she had forgotten how to look someone else in the eyes. She did. And we began to talk about I wanted her to tell me what was going on in the home. I didn't ask her to put her husband down or at risk. I just said, would you please tell me what's happening here? And she was, she's very careful and had very few words to speak. And I ended up being grateful after an hour, just being grateful that she did make eye contact with me. I didn't know if I'd ever see her again. Thankfully, I did see her again. Because they kept coming to church and both of them had their lives majorly adjusted by the Spirit of God. The only one who can. But that that just, again, I'm thinking about that as I'm thinking about the, the message this morning about touching and about being available to touch people in an appropriate way. There's an inappropriate way. We're hearing a lot about that. In the media today. It's been hidden a long, long time. But we're hearing more and more about the inappropriate way to touch anybody. To look at them. To touch them. It's a good wake up call for everybody. And, but, but it's also a time not to be afraid to touch people. In the appropriate way. Not to, to not look at them. There's an appropriate way to just address people. And to look at people. And to be sensitive to where they are in life, and then be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to, again, represent Himself through us to them. It's amazing to me when I think about this because it's just, uh, it, it just seems to be in so many ways, I'm just talking about touching people and, and uh, looking at them uh, in a certain way, uh, just helping them. That such a seemingly insignificant thing could have such meaningful results. That something so natural would have such supernatural endings. Something so small, a small gesture, should have such a huge, big result. Something that maybe is just brief in a moment could actually end up being life-changing and, and have lasting uh, results. I was in South Africa one year with Pastor Charles Neiman and Pastor Kay Wood. We traveled to a great church in Johannesburg. And the church was very, very, very large. I think some 40,000 people attended the local church in Johannesburg. Uh, and they had several other uh, satellite campuses throughout the, the area. And we were, uh, we were scheduled to speak in some of those satellite churches. Pastor Don was and and I was. So we got to go and visit a few people. They put us in a very nice hotel while we were there in Johannesburg. And again, 
um, you know, there's a, there are a lot of racial tensions going on there, have gone on there for years. Doesn't seem like that long ago apartheid was a part of what was going on in uh, Africa. And uh, we were actually in another church in Johannesburg when that vote was taken all those years ago. And pastor was standing up warning people or encouraging people to make sure they had food and and light and candles and all these other things in case something really happened uh, that took them into a dangerous kind of a situation. But anyway, we were in a hotel and I heard a knock on the door it was housekeeping. And I went to the answer the door. I opened the door and there was a black woman and she kept her head down. And again, it was a situation where she made no eye contact with me. She had been instructed by their culture not to raise her eyes and to look at another human being, especially a white man. And I was brokenhearted over that because I didn't know what was happening. Again, I'm just going, look at me. And she's refusing to look at me. I bring my American way into that culture and I'm taken back that she can't look at a white man in the eye and ask a question. I I didn't touch her. I think that would have been inappropriate. But I could touch her with my words. And I encouraged her that day to know that God was watching over her. That God was on her side, even if it didn't feel like it. And that God knew who she was and heard her prayers. And she thanked me with her head down, still not having made eye contact, backed up as I closed the door. There are people in our world that need the touch of Jesus Christ. And you and I are carriers. Amen. We're carriers of the divine presence of the Almighty God. Jesus went about noticing when people needed that touch and needed that special word or just needed to see the kindness in his eyes. And uh, Luke twenty two fifty one gives us one example of where uh, even when it came to his enemies, it's one thing to be kind to people who maybe don't know how to be kind back to you or, or are kind to you. It's another when people mistreat you to still give them the touch of Jesus. And we see that here. Remember, Peter got all upset when they came to arrest Jesus. What does Peter do? Instead of touching an appropriate way, what he does is he pulls out a sword and cuts a man's ear off. Great way to show the love of God. Okay. We don't do that maybe with a, a physical weapon, but we can do it with this one. A sword. And so Jesus just said this, Luke twenty two fifty one. but Jesus answered and said, stop. No more of this. What did he do? He touched his ear and he brought healing to it. That's powerful. Again and again, moved with compassion. Uh, Jesus brought heaven to earth by the simplest of means. Something, again, we can all do. Yielding to his spirit. Mark eight twenty two is a great, another great verse. And they came to Beth- Bethsaida and they brought a man to Jesus and in and implored him to touch him. Jesus touched him twice. Jesus touched him a third time. The lesson there is we just touch people as they need to be touched as many times as they need to be touched as long as we're being guided by the Holy Spirit. 
in those uh, amazing moments. Luke chapter 18, 15. I'm just giving you some verses here that point out the touch of Jesus. Jesus did it. We're followers of Jesus. We want to go with that example. Uh, Luke 18, 15. And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. I got to tell you, you know, in a world where children are horribly taken advantage of and abused. Even then, Jesus took the time to touch them in the right way. Our babies, our children need to be touched, but they just need to be touched in the right way. They need to hear the sound of a loving voice, even if there's strength in that voice. There should be love and compassion in that voice. It'll create an atmosphere of safety around our our kiddos again the disciples said you know jesus is busy don't do this let's stop this jesus said no no it's more important okay the use of my time right now is more important in touching than in not touching jesus was willing to go off schedule come on to touch a child in the appropriate the bible goes on to say in mark chapter 10 and verse 16 and he took them in his arms and he began Blessing them, doing what? Laying hands on them. I just think about this. You know, people think Jesus makes people sick for odd reasons, you know. And yet, everything about us is when someone is sick, especially someone uh, near to us, dear to us, is to reach out our hands first. It's not to stand back in judgment Or to fold our arms in judgment. God has made us to reach out to touch. It's like compassion just does that. Are we not compassionate? We need to ask ourselves that question because Jesus clearly is. Amen? Compassion is different from passion. Passion can act wildly. Compassion has an intelligent um, characteristic to it that brings a solution with it. The difference between passion and compassion is compassion doesn't just touch. It works to bring a solution, a long-term solution into a person's life. That's the difference. So, you know, I I just see Jesus going off uh, schedule. He he went off to to make sure these children were touched in in the right, right way. He took them, blessing them. And again, I just I want us to be aware. I, I'm more than that. If I'm honest with you, I believe the Spirit of God wants the church of Jesus Christ, His church. He wants us to be aware. More aware. Coming into what is a really tough season for a lot of people. To let, let Jesus be known. And let God be manifest. In, and He'll use us to do that if we will let Him do that. Amen, church. I love, again, just one more example here of where, um, you know, there was a a woman who was caught in the act of uh, adultery. And, of course, you know that story, I think, really well. How she was was caught in the act. She was brought into public view. Uh, She was accused before Jesus. Jesus was challenged to act according to the law and to consent to her stoning. And instead, Jesus gets down on his... Uh, knees, I believe, into the dirt somehow. And he begins to write something, we're not sure what, uh, in the sand. And then he eventually takes up a stone 
And he just says, he shows it to everybody who's gathered now. And he says, any of you without sin, let's do it this way. You weren't killed. It's according to the law. You've, he didn't say this, but he could have said, you've forgotten that God prefers mercy and not judgment. Uh, but he said, let's do it this way. You who are watching this, hearing this, are part of this. Those of you who are here, who are without sin, you be the first. I think there were some in the crowd who wanted to take that stone because they had a perverted view of who they were. But there was something of the Spirit of God and the presence of God, the holiness, purity of God, so incredibly powerful that that didn't happen. Instead, what happened was people began to look inwardly and begin to consider their own sinfulness. Perhaps even the men who had been committing adultery with this woman, who might have been in the crowd, hoping she would be silenced before anybody found out. We're there too. Who, who knows? But everybody dispersed except Jesus and the woman. And we know that Jesus turned to her and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now go and sin no more. Jesus wanted new life for her. He wasn't condoning what she did. He, you know, he agreed with the law. What she did was wrong. But this is the way love fulfilled the law that day. And it, it fulfilled the law that day by releasing this woman from her sin and calling her to a new way of life. Amen. Can I say to you that when you and I have the opportunity to, to represent Jesus in our crowds, that we not be so quick to take up the stones to throw or even point to the law and try to win a debate or an argument as to who was right or who was wrong. But that instead we go to a deeper well within us and pull on the mercies and the graces of God and see if we can't send somebody on their way whole and into a new way of life. Amen. Amen. You see, one lesson we miss though, and, and I'm going to wrap this up. One, one lesson we miss though in this is that when Jesus did what he did, he didn't just hope that the woman would be helped. He had hoped that every person in that crowd would be helped. Now, I've seen Christians shout, you know, well, Jesus put them in their place. It's not the place he wanted them. He wanted them to repent. He wanted them to turn toward God. He wanted them to receive cleansing along with the woman. He wanted them to be charged with a new way of life, too. There's just something more important than you and I just being, having all the answers, we think, or being right, or looking good in a moment. Someone needs a touch. Someone needs the touch of, of Jesus. Available, say it, available. It's actually what I've entitled the message today. Available, prepared, say it, prepared. Willing, say it, Willing. And then without prejudice, say it. Say those four things again with me. Available, prepared, willing, and without prejudice. 
First John 4, 7 says, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other. Uh, since love comes from God, everyone who loves is born of God and is experiencing a relationship with God. First John 4, 21, I love this from the message. It says, The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Amen. I close with these just, I think there are five very quick thoughts. Again, not much explanation today. I hope this has encouraged you a little bit today and maybe charged you, got you thinking a little bit. Because again, I, I just think opportunities really start rising to care for people and love people and help people out of dark places. And I got, I, like, I'm say something that might surprise some of you. You might be sitting next to one this morning. And they're doing everything they can to hide it. But they're here today because they know they need help. And they want it. And they're seeking it. And someone told them it might be in Jesus. So they came and, and they came to church. Or have been coming to church. I don't look at your neighbor. Don't embarrass them. Just know for a fact that people hide well in society. But Jesus can bring his light into the situation and help us to help them. Amen. Amen. So just, I I guess these are just keys to wisdom, thoughts, challenges, however you want to think of them. But number one, just think of people the way Jesus does. Again, I think we all know the verse that says, God is not willing that any man perish. He wants them all saved. Again, we tend to think in terms of just those who don't know Jesus yet. And apply that verse to them. But again, we are saved when we make Jesus Lord of our life. But we continue to be saved. Because the word saved is a word that means healing and wholeness and deliverance and a number of other things. It's the Greek word sozo in the New Testament. It's a very small word in the Greek. Really big meaning. All-encompassing meaning. And so, I don't think God wants people to perish. He went about doing good healing. A few. Scripture says all. Wow. All. Again, because he's not willing that any man perish, but that all come to an acknowledge. You can't help all. I can't help all. But together, we can do quite a bit. Isn't that right? If we're all on the same page with God and with one another. He never, think about this, he never once thought of people as a waste of time. Still doesn't. Not a waste of time. And some of you are looking at me and say, I know someone who is. That's not God's point of view. That's yours. Not God's point of view. It's yours. Number two, be willing to go into the difficult places of life with other people. He leads us as his children into green pastures and still waters. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have a table that's set. I'll never eat all of it. Before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup is always running over. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Come on. But he will lead us. The good shepherd will lead us into the tough times with other people. To help them in their rough and tough places. They just got the bad doctor's report. You didn't. They were just given three months to live. You weren't. Their son just OD'd. On drugs for the third time. This time he died. That didn't happen to you. Didn't happen to me. 
All right. And life is filled with those tragedies and places, places, valley places that Jesus will take you into for the sole purpose of helping that other person. I'm not saying you experience it. They're experiencing it. You go there to help them out of the shadow of death and out of the valley of darkness. Amen. Can I tell you this? One of the most rewarding things that will ever happen, you'll ever experience in life is reaching down, down, down where people live and watching God bring them up, up, up. What a satisfying, incredibly fulfilling experience in life. Still with me? Number three, uh, I want you to volunteer before you leave today to be one of those laborers that Jesus said we need to pray for. And when Jesus looked out over the harvest, in fact, Matthew 9, 36 and 37 and 30, I don't have this one for you on the screen, so you can just listen. Jesus said, when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. Scripture says this about Christ. So confused and aimless they were like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. But how few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. And so I I want you to volunteer before you leave today. In fact, we'll pray as we're closing today. I want you to volunteer. Isaiah the prophet even did this in the presence of God one day. He he couldn't speak. What he saw was so great and so glorious of God. And God, you know, just revealed himself in a special way to Isaiah. And then Isaiah just knew God wanted him to go. And he said, Lord, send me. Send me. I volunteer. You have a particular and a unique field. You have a certain venue that I don't have and others don't have. Volunteer to let God use you as one of the laborers in the field starting this afternoon. And let God use you to bring his touch, his healing, his wholeness, his help into the lives of those, those people. This is more than a, a, just a, I mean, it may, may, may display itself in just a, a brief word of encouragement or a hug. But it's supernatural in nature when we let God do it through us. God so loved the world. He sent his only begotten son into the world, not to condemn it, but to save it. Number four, be good with questions. Paul said to be apt to teach. Um, I'm just asking you to look for a conversation. Be concerned. Be a good listener. Someone who knows what they're talking about. You're praying for opportunities. We'll just maybe be quiet and watch it happen before your very eyes. Listen to what people are saying. There's probably a way to get into that conversation and bring Jesus to bear on the lives of people. Melinda sees that every day. Cutting hair. You know. Others of you. Uh, hammering nails. Others, others of you. Selling over the phone. Others of you working. You know. From your desk. Or out in the field somewhere. Some.